I have a situation here that I want to work through with you, specifically about a child who has been introduced to some bad stuff at school, and I want to talk about it, how to work through that as a parent. All of us parents are there. We live in that culture where bad things come to us uninvited, and when it comes to our children, it can be quite complicated. So in this podcast, I want to talk through that. The title of the podcast is How to Respond When Someone Introduces Your Child to Bad Things. Now, I want to develop this podcast in three parts. In part one, I want to uh, talk about the evil that's in our world and and how this uh, evil has one intention, and that is to devour us. Satan is a roaring lion. We are the enemies of the wicked one and all of those who do his bidding. And so I want to talk about that aspect because it it is real. Evil Evil is not blushing, and it is bold, and it will attack anyone, even our children. And then the second part of the podcast, I I want to talk about how we have to prepare our hearts after it happens, because what you don't want to do is overreact, react in an emotional way to where you're not guarding your heart, more specifically, you're not guarding your tongue, and you can say and do things that actually will not create or move toward reconciliation. So part one, I'll talk about the evil. Part two, I want to talk about guarding your heart. And then I want to wrap up the podcast by just giving some practical tips on how to walk a son or a daughter through this when it happens to them. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. This is Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. If you want to read this podcast, there's an article on our website. It's a little more than 2,000 words, and you are more than welcome to read it, to share it. Uh, You can use it as a case study in your Sunday school class or any other small group context where you want to talk about practical things that are real-world related, relevant to where we are today, how to respond when someone introduces your child to bad things. Evil has never been as infringing on our families as it is today. And if you want to define ubiquitous sin, say 20 years ago, or when I was a kid 50 years ago, you had to go somewhere to find it. Today, you can get there in five seconds. Not only is wickedness easily accessible for inquiring minds, but the world is non-blushing. We live in a non-blushing culture that makes it their business to impose their perverted passions upon us in manifold ways. And so the big question for this podcast is how do you react when your child is on the receiving end of society's perversion? And so the big word here is reaction. And again, in part two of this podcast, I do want to talk about that, this reacting. And that's that's why I titled the podcast, How to respond, the big word is respond, when someone introduces your child to bad things. Not only is evil omnipresent, but children are learning about its enticements earlier than ever before. Parents are busier, and maybe another word there would be preoccupied. 
They're preoccupied more with the cares of life, that the choking of God's word and the quenching of his spirit's activity, it complicates this crisis in our families. And to some degree, some of us need to own this, that we are partially culpable because of how we pace our lives to where we're not giving our children uh, what we should be giving them, especially those first 10 years that are highly developmental. Perhaps you are a parent who is proactive in your parenting. You're the other side. You are not preoccupied with the cares of life in such a way that it's encroaching upon your biblical responsibilities to parent your child. I praise God for you. And I'm sure you are aware of the evil influences. I know you are aware of the need to guard little minds and your God-ordained role in the process. And if you are that caring parent, you're fully aware that the opposition to your parental initiatives is quite strong. You know that some parents have abdicated their roles as spiritual guides by their superficial interest and lack of intentionality with their children, and so you're always surveying the scene of other parents and other children, not in an uncharitably judgment way, but in a discerning way, because you know that every parent is not as intentional about parenting their children, and so not only are are the evil forces against us, but all parents aren't in the same boat when it comes to biblical responsibilities. And to round out this problem, you also understand that no matter what you do, it's impossible to entirely protect your child from the evil influences in our world, especially other children who are not practically discipled to follow Christ. And so what we have here is a is a problem that happened to Biff and Mabel. And this is the illustration. It's fictional, though it's also very true, because I'm sure it has happened to many of us. Their seven-year-old son, Biffy, came home from school asking them about pornography. Now, the actual word that he used was pornography. And so this case study focuses on the parents' reaction their response, and the crucial need to guide their child as Jesus would. And so part one, as I have just shared with you, is about the ever-present evil in our world. Now, part two, I want to talk about Biff and Mabel's reaction because you have to have your heart aligned by the gospel before you enter into the conversation with your son and the succeeding chaos that could potentially happen if you are not managed well by God's word. And so Biff and Mabel knew what Biffy meant, pornography, which is why they wanted to meet for a little counseling session. Their specific question was how to respond to their son after someone at the Christian school told him about pornography. Part of their struggle was that other Christian parents were not as vigilant with their children as I was talking about earlier. It's not that you can entirely insulate children from the world, but everyone knew this school has many influences from society. And I hope that you're wise enough to know that 
every Christian school is that way. No exception. You can't insulate children if you use uh, inside a Christian school. And if you use a Christian school as the aim to protect your children from the world, you're making a mistake if that is your only line of defense. Because Christian schools may be Christian in name and they may do a lot of Christian things, but there are also bad influences at every one of them, no exceptions. And I don't talk in absolutes a lot, but that's absolutely correct. And so their first call to action is not to make this problem about the problem, which is challenging when someone is messing with our children. If you want to rile a parent quickly, steer their child into the darkness of our culture, which is why you don't want to be fearful about stating something quite obvious to Bill and Mabel, because again, you want to govern their hearts, and so you want to reintroduce them or remind them of the gospel all over again. If you lose focus on God's favor and God's strength as as exemplified and exhibited through the gospel, you will be in a hopeless place. Now, their temptation would be twofold. One, quote, I am angry at my idiot friends whose son introduced my child to porn. I'm going to let them have it No, that's not the reaction you want. Number two, quote, I'm afraid this thing will ruin my child's life. There is no hope for him now. His little innocent mind is polluted. Well, you don't want to run off the cliff of fear as well as the cliff of anger. So those two responses are incorrect. Govern thy heart. The gospel informs us that Biff's friends need to experience the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. And so this is an opportunity. And so you want to be gospel-centered because by the very fact that this happened to their son is an indication that there's an opportunity before them. And one of those opportunities is for Biffy's friends, parents, to experience the transformative work of Jesus Christ, either through salvation, if they're not Christians, or restorative sanctification. They are Christians, and there's some maturing that needs to happen in this family. People in porn are no different from Biff and Mabel, and that's why you can't judge them uncharitably. And what I mean by that, they're no different from Biff and Mabel, porn people, in the fact that they need Jesus too. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. And just because you aren't doing that, well, that doesn't mean you're really different as far as needing Christ. And so this family needs Christ either salvifically or in their ongoing sanctification. Therefore, reacting with sinful anger at their friends will not accomplish the good purposes of Christ. Even worse, when hurting people are offended, a common thing is that they recategorize their anger as righteous, which is a way to justify what they want to say to their offenders. Now, at this juncture, it's not the time to trust your judgment about the nature of your anger. This is a good time to be actively self-suspicious, appropriately self-suspicious of your motives and of your thoughts, because that will be uh, the 
temptation for many of us when we get riled up, especially when you're messing with our children, we can quickly turn this thing around and make our anger righteous when in reality it's not so righteous because it's not redemptive. Righteous anger it has a redemptive effect to it. The wiser approach would be to follow James's advice in 119. Slow down, listen more, speak much later much later. An angry response does not deliver the purposes of the gospel to its hearers. It creates division rather than reconciliation. And so Biff and Mabel, they act, if, if Biff and Mabel act as though there is no hope, they ran off the cliff of hope, for this situation, they will degrade the gospel. So again, reaction number one, if they react in anger, Uh, they're going to degrade the gospel. And if they act as if there's no hope, they're going to degrade the gospel. The sin Biffy experienced is one of the reasons we have the gospel. Christ came, died, rose for hopeless people and dire situations. And so Biff and Mabel's problem is custom-fitted like a hand in the glove for the gospel, which is the perfect antidote for what is happening to them. And so the gospel can reconcile a fractured relationship, and it can cleanse polluted hearts. So Biff and Mabel must refocus their energy back to the gospel and what it means and what it can do and how they can be secondary calls agents in cooperating with God and bringing healing, restoration to this frustrating and painful situation. And so the gospel must be their launching point, and it must be their sustaining trajectory as they work through this problem that someone imposed upon them. Now, maybe their friends will not respond to their redemptive and restorative efforts. That's okay. That's okay in the sense that that's God's business, not theirs. They can't change people, but they must have a gospel-centered understanding of their responsibility toward others. If Biff and Mabel align their hearts to the gospel, they will be in the right place to serve their friends by watering and planting, which is the limit of all that they can do. And then they can pray that God will be merciful to them by granting illumination and possible repentance to whatever degree this family needs repentance. And so by reestablishing their role as a secondary agent to what needs to happen, they will have a front row seat to see if the Lord will use his sin and their son sinlessly. Perhaps the Lord will bring his conviction to this family and And they see areas where they have failed and repent to God, repent to Biffy, repent to Biff and Mabel. The title of the podcast is How to Respond When Someone Introduces Your Child to Bad Things. In part one, I talked about the purpose of evil, the purpose of the devil. It is to to seek and to devour. And we have an illustration here of that actually happening. And then in part two, I've talked about the the critical need for Biff and Mabel, the parents of the child, to make sure their hearts are aligned to the gospel, because if it is not, well, then they can really go out and do the wrong things, not, not only to this other family, but also to their child. The present evil 
Evil in this world takes no prisoners. The devil, the demonic beings, children of the devil, carnal Christians are collectively participating in corruption with the intent of killing you and your child. And I know that sounds, that could sound dramatic, but again, read 1 Peter 5, 8, the roaring lion. Read John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal and to kill. Do not be surprised at the tactics of the enemy. They are clear. The devil wants you and yours dead. Any person who is standing for Christ is an enemy. Biff and Mabel are enemies. Every parent must be working overtime, envisioning, instilling, and building the mind of Christ in their children. They must begin this work early and never let up. Now, fortunately, Biff and Mabel have been doing this. They are not Christians in name only, but practically and passionately, they live it out. Now, their example is the most effective and practical teaching tool a parent can give a child. And this is part three that I want to roll into now. How to address this problem from many different angles. This will not be an exhaustive treatment of it, but I do want to mention several things that Biff and Mabel can do with Biffy, uh, with this other family, with the school's administration. Now, if you're in a, a situation like this, and maybe it's not with your child, but a situation where you want to talk about this, then I would encourage you to come to our free public forums. You can talk to us. You can uh, dialogue with us, share your story, what is going on. You can flatten it out. You can remove the details uh, so it doesn't point to any institution or any individual, uh, but just share the story and we'll be glad to interact with you. All right, so part three, how, what practically can Biff and Mabel do to lead their child, lead this school, lead the other family through this now that they are managed by, governed by the gospel, and so they will do it in the most uh, appropriate biblical way. And so the number one thing is that their example will be the most effective and practical teaching tool uh, that they can give to their child and also as they emulate Christ uh, throughout this with whoever they interact with. And though their son's friend gave Biffy pornographic images, they have given Biffy something more significant, Biffy's parents have. They have given him an authentic vision for living the Christ life as understood by their lives. You see, there's already work that has been happening for the first seven years of Biffy's life. And so this thing came into his life at a point in time, but it came into a context where he has already seen an active, living, relevant, practical example of Christ through Biff and Mabel. And so that is the context in which he is receiving these pornographic images, which means this example that Biff and Mabel are exhibiting is more powerful than this one-and-done image that he, was, uh, that he saw. If a parent is not exporting an authentic relationship with Christ to their children, then the first place for them to begin is godly repentance, to God first and then to the child. They must communicate where they have failed and their plans to change. 
Every parent shares the message they live. If they live a worldly life and then talk about following Christ through this crisis, they will confuse the child. And so in Biff, with Biff and Mabel, there's no incongruity here. They are following Christ, and so they're going to talk about righteousness, and they're going to talk about the evil of pornography, and so there's no inconsistency there. But I know that some parents aren't following Christ as they should, uh, that they're not living so much dissimilar from the pornographic image in that both of those things are evil even though they are different. Now, if that parent, the one that is not following Christ, is now trying to teach the child to live righteously and say no to evil, well, the child could look up at the parent and say, when are you going to start saying no to evil? Do you hear how confusing that message could be? And so as far as Biff and Mabel is concerned, they are living a Christ life. It's relevant, it's practical, it's visible. Biffy knows it, and he appreciates the lifestyle of his parents. And so now at this juncture, Biff and Mabel want to ask specific questions. They want to draw Biffy out about what he saw. Now what they won't do is they won't articulate exactly what he was looking at because they don't want to teach Biffy more than what he already knows. Remember, he's seven years old. And so rather than telling him in graphic detail what he saw and what it is, they just want to tease it out of him to hear what words he uses and how he describes it because it Again, you don't want to give him more information that's necessary. He's still several years away from the sex talk. And so they will ask him specific questions, drawing him out. They want to discern what happened, what Biffy did, what the other person did to him. And it's best in this conversation with your child at this age to use proper anatomical words so that they can discuss the problem while also teaching him the right way to talk about body parts. Now, I would assume, uh, because Biffy is seven, that they are already using proper body parts, language, words to talk about this. And so this is another time to reorient and to tweak Biffy's thinking thinking into a right way to describe body parts. Too many parents get weird when it comes to talking about sex with children. Uh, for many of them, their shaping influences were so strong that they map those influences from their childhood over their parental responsibilities. What these parents need to realize is that the world is not shy the world is not weirded out by sex. They are explicit, they are clear, and they are vulgar. Christians need to be explicit and clear and pure in how they speak about sexuality. If they don't introduce the world to their if parents do not introduce the world to their children incrementally, the world will present itself to them as this case study is communicating. And the operative word is incremental as well as appropriately. And so you want to appropriately and incrementally introduce the world to your child. You got to get out in front of this. Now there's a time to start teaching children about the culture. That time begins at birth appropriately incrementally. Biffy was born in this world, and Biffy needs to know how to navigate it, including all the cliffs, all the ravines, all the gorges, and all the swamps. There are no set of rules that will lay this out for any parent. 
And so if you write and you ask, and, and how should I communicate these things to my child, I don't know. I don't know the environment of your home. I don't know the maturity of the parents. I don't know the personality of of the child. And so this process is a spirit-led, spirit-illuminated, guided by God's Word and the community of faith as the parent discerns the uniqueness of the child. Sometimes parents or, or people, just people, we people, we want to. We want cookie cutter responses. Just tell me what to do, and that is not how it works. If if that's what you want, you're going to be disappointed every time. There is work involved, and in this situation, as far as how to incrementally and appropriately rear your children up in the world, no two children are the same and should not receive identical parenting even if they're in the same home. And so part of a parent's motivation for early world teaching starting at birth is because the evil is already in his heart. They're born in sin. The Bible is clear about this in Romans 5.12. That's why you don't want to wait. You want to teach early world teaching because the world is already in his heart at birth. It's not as though parents can keep a child from sin by barricading him in the home. Children are sinners who live in a home where sin happens. Good and evil are not new to Biffy. He is fully aware there are bad things in his world, and the proponents of evil desire to take his soul to hell, though he won't say it that way, of course. It's too early to be talking about porn explicitly, but Biff and Mabel have no choice but to reframe this problem biblically. Now, hopefully, Biffy is your typical seven-year-old and not interested in girls, and if so, this incident could slowly vaporize as an anomaly. Now, that's the good news, because he's young, and that's another reason why you don't want to overreact. Now, the best approach is to use the fruit of the Spirit. As this is a approach, uh, is to use the fruit of the Spirit as outlined in Galatians 5, 23. Love, hope, uh, uh, peace, self-control, patience. I got all that messed up, but there it is. There are nine elements to the fruit of the Spirit. Because Biff and Mabel need the Spirit's illuminations, which will keep their minds appropriately adjusted. And this perspective is also what Biffy needs. And so the parents are in a vital position of exporting this spiritual fruit to their child. Let me give you an example, self-control. Self-control, part of the fruit of the Spirit, is, a, is paramount here when talking to Biffy. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone who was troubled by something, they were riled up by something, and their way of talking about it was more like a runaway train? Biff and Mabel cannot be these people. They do not want to speed up. Biffy by talking about this problem in a way that makes it worse than what it is. He needs their calmness, or maybe I could substitute the word peace here, another fruit of the Spirit. They need self-control. Biffy needs peace, part of the fruit of the Spirit, not charged emotionalism. And so we have self-control, we have peace, faithfulness. Faithfulness will also be critical as Bill and Mabel talk about what God's Word says about the matter and how following God's truth is always good. It always leads to non-chaotic outcomes. Of course, they can patiently, kindly, gently 
fruit of the Spirit, talk to him about his relationship with the other boy and how to be Christ to him. An excellent exercise for any believer is to go down the nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit and think through how to be Spirit-led in a troubling situation. What you could do is list them on a sheet of paper or on your computer, list all nine, and then your situation, whatever it may be, and then begin to practicalize what each one of those elements would look like in your situation, which is what I'm doing here with this deal with Biff and Mabel and Biffy. Biff and Mabel need to inform Biffy that they will be talking to the boy's parents. I mean, that needs to happen. And Biffy needs to be discreet, here's self-control again, when he goes back to school. And like his parents, he does not want to blow this out of proportion. He didn't want to be that rollerway train or be overly emotional or overly fearful about when he enters, re-enters the school and potentially interacts with this boy. And so self-control is critical. And depending on the parents' maturity, Biff and Mabel's relationship with them will determine the type of conversation that they have. And so we don't know who these parents are. Uh, we don't know what their maturity level is, but that will that will gauge and that will monitor of how you're going to commu- how Biff and Mabel will communicate with them. Now, ideally, Biff should take the lead in this opportunity. Man, man up. Lead, you need to lead. Lead your wife, lead your family. Now, Biff and Mabel also need to assess how at peace Biffy is about them talking with the parents, because all of this is going to have a problem in Biffy's soul, because he's the one that has to go back to school by himself, and so you want to judge, you want to monitor his peace and to see how settled he is in this, and so communication is so vital. And then they will further guide Biffy about the future possibility of this sin happening again, whether it's from this boy or anyone else. Biff and Mabel want to guard Biffy's heart about matters of sex because it's too early to talk to him about it. Again, he's still a few years away. And then they'll also need to talk to the school's administration because they are the overarching authority over the students, and so they must know. And so there is a lot of responsibility here. The school has a responsibility to create a safe environment for all the students. Now, I have a few more points here in this podcast, and you're welcome to read it. And then I have a call to action at the bottom. The call to action are critical. And if you if your problem is at that level where you need to dig more into it, then I appeal to you to find this article as well as any other article on our website and work through the call to action section. The article is this one here, how to respond when someone introduces your child to bad things. And if you want to chat about it, let us know. Thank you so much for listening.